Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Buckeye Dads Discuss. I'm Josh. And I'm Andy. And we're almost to the end of the year, Andy. Winter is coming. Winter is here. How you been doing, man? So winter is certainly here. Been doing all right. Just uh, finished the last day of work before the nice big break. So that's always a good feeling to turn off the computer and not have to worry about that for a couple of weeks. So feeling good getting into the holiday spirit. How about you? Oh, I'm, I still got a few more days and we don't really shut down uh, for Christmas, but we do our, our incoming volume goes down quite a bit usually. So um, it's looking like it's going to be a, a pretty nice lead in uh, going into the holidays. Holidays obviously going to be looking, you know, a bit different earlier that, uh, this year um, compared to other years. Uh, maybe not going uh, to see as many people, um, but, you know, we'll we'll have to make do just like we did for Thanksgiving. The nice thing is there's certainly it's a, it's a tiny light at the end of our tunnel right now, but I think there is definitely we can finally see the light that the end is maybe not near, but it's at least coming. So that's that's a good feeling. For sure. Um, yeah. So let's get right into it, Andy. Um, like you said, there's a tiny light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, we have not one, but two vaccines that have now been uh, officially approved by the FDA. Uh, the Pfizer vaccine has uh been going in the people's arms um, over the last week or so. Uh, so, you know, I'm not going to elaborate. Uh, I'm not going to give another science lesson uh, as I've done for the past couple episodes um, about the vaccine, but um, just want to point out, um, you know, that it's coming, you know, we still need to mask up and, and uh, practice social distancing until a large enough percentage of the population has been, vaccinated but uh you know there's now at least uh an endpoint that we are approaching yeah that's that's a great feeling president-elect joe biden uh received his first dose of the vaccine today so we're getting the ball rolling on that i hope uh, he thanked president trump for that <laughs> hey man if, if that's the last piece if we just need to be like okay we're all just gonna pretend that this was president trump's you know Big accomplishment. He was the sole guy. You know, he followed the science the whole time. And now we have a vaccine. If that's going to get him to shut his mouth and go away, um, I'll do it. I mean, I'll I'll eat that crow. That's fine. You did it. Thank you. Now leave. <laughs> Please uh, get out. And the, the, the getting out part really isn't going that smoothly either for him right now. So, uh, no. <laughs> um, I. I've thought about unfollowing you a couple of times because, you know, I, I try to keep my Twitter follows of people that are, you know, relevant and his relevance is certainly waning every day. But man, that I don't know if the show was exactly what I was hoping it would be. Maybe the first week after the, the election, I felt like he was taking a relatively for him more measured approach. But yeah, I mean, the crazy gloves have come off and I, I kind of love it. <laughs> yeah, the crazy gloves have come off like almost like to the point of absurdity like it's being reported allegedly maybe maybe not that there's at least people in the president's ear who are thinking you know let's issue some kind of executive action and let's have dhs seize voting machines to audit them and and confirm that there was you know uh, election voter fraud i mean this is some kind of shit that you know, if we read about, you know, in, a, in a, a different country other than ours, we would, you know, be making fun of how third world they are and how ridiculous they are. And, you know, they're not the 
pristine democracy that we are here in uh in america and man i you know i clearly don't think we're going to get to that that point but uh, you know i i uh, january 20th man can't come soon enough yeah i think a lot of our moral high ground where we can finger point in other democracies and say oh my goodness look what's happening over there uh, i think we've thrown a lot of that under the window i mean the, the last four years but i mean certainly the last four weeks as well yeah, I mean, it's it would be one thing if it was just, you know, the president espousing all of these crazy views, but there's a whole lot of, you know, Republicans in Congress that are just like, oh, well, I mean, how can we be sure there was an election fraud, you know, like, um, you know, we've, we've gone past most of the checkpoints, uh, all 50 states have certified their uh, election results, the Electoral College. Uh, you know, has, has certified the vote. Uh, Congress just officially has to ratify it. Um, and that's kind of our last step. I believe it's on January 5th or January 6th, somewhere in there. Um, but who knows what's going to happen between now and then. Yeah, I, I think anything is possible. The other thing that we've been uh, dealing with as far as, you know, we got vaccine getting produced, getting rolled out. Uh, it looks like there's going to be this tiered approach where we're already uh, giving the vaccine to uh, healthcare workers and nursing homes are kind of, you know, tier number one. Uh, it's going to roll out next to people age 75 or older. Um, it looks like most of the data analysis has showed that age really being that number one most important factor. I know people wonder about, you know, comorbidities that people might have in pre-existing conditions. Uh, but age, age kind of trumps that. Uh, it's going to be people 75 and older, along with frontline essential workers. So maybe not healthcare workers, but you know, teachers and grocery store uh, employees and the people who really like, you know, keep our country running when everything else is locked down. Um, and then we're going to start trickling to higher risk patients, eventually just younger and healthy people. And uh, we're still only down the kids age 16 or older at this point. Uh, I don't think we've officially added anybody younger yet to the pool. So that's kind of what the vaccine schedule looks like right now. Hey, have they made a vaccine yet that you can just kind of throw in the cool, like the uh, the picnic cooler yet? You know, put put it on a little bit of ice and and keep it going. Or are we still talking about some deep freezers here? Um, we're close to that. We're not quite there yet. Um, uh, Moderna can just go in a regular freezer, and again, both that one and the Pfizer vaccine are viable for a certain amount of time in the regular regular old fridge. Um, but obviously, they once they've been in the fridge for so long, they need to be throw, used or thrown away. Um, but the AstraZeneca vaccine, which I don't know where we're at in the official approval process, that one is just the uh, it goes in the fridge and you put it in your uh, your picnic basket with a couple of ice packs and and go inoculate uh, whoever you bump into out in the park. So uh, that, we're that's close. the one with the the blue mountains, right? As long as the mountains are blue, you can go ahead and. <laughs> oh give, yeah give, give the shot get the immunity trump is going to use the defense production act to make cores uh stop putting beer in their cans and said they're going to put vaccines in their cans hey man if, if during the great toledo water crisis of i'm blanking on the year i want to say it was 15 i could be wrong on that do you remember when when anheuser-busch was canning water and sending it up our way i don't remember that no yeah they were they were budweiser looking cans but they had water in them because the cool thing when i worked at the school was you know that the teachers would pop out the, the blood looking cans and drink the water out of them so <laughs> yep ab a- from I- i'm assuming it was their columbus area uh production facility sent us canned water and cans that looked 
not identical, but very close to it, to the red Budweiser cans. Oh man. Look at you teachers being so edgy. Hey, with your, with your water. <laughs> you got to get the fun in where you can. <laughs> yeah. The, the big thing government's grappling with right now um, is can we fund the government? No, uh, is the government going to shut down? Um, and part and parcel with that is the, uh, the next round of stimulus package. So what, have you seen so far Andy about you know what's in the package what's not in the package just what you've been reading about it um that's kind of jumped out at you yeah so as far as I mean what's in the package the it looks like the direct stimulus is going to be 600 a person I think that's adults and kids yep but man there's a lot of other stuff kind of kind of packed in there I was this afternoon reading some of the, the foreign aid numbers and it was I mean billions and billions that were going outside of the u.s and i think that's probably not the greatest look right now um and i mean of course there's you know the we're, we're going to get a couple bucks headed our way but the military is of course going to get their you know billions and trillions for for all of their little projects so i think there's probably two kinds of people at this point in the pandemic i think there's people that have probably come through the pandemic you know relatively okay on the financial side, a, a little bit of hardship here or there, but but are more or less making it, you know, people that are fortunate enough to be able to work from home. And to them, I'm guessing that $600 a person is, you know, an, a nice little something that you might spend or you might stash away for the next rainy day. And I think there's probably a lot of people out there that have been struggling for nine months now and, and $600 is an absolute joke. I mean, that's going to go right to a credit card company and not even make a dent in the balance. So I don't know, man. It, it, it doesn't seem like a whole lot to me. Yeah, um, I, I totally co-signed that. Um, you know, so $900 billion in COVID relief, but it doesn't go as far as you would think. Unemployment goes from $600 a week. Uh, it gets cut in half to $300 a week through March 14th. And I, uh, I don't believe that is going to be retroactive from when the uh, original benefits uh, expired. Um, direct payments are 600, like you said, um, instead of 1,200. Uh, the the thresholds are still the same, so 75,000 uh, individual or 150,000 uh, dollars for a married couple uh, before they'll start to scale down. More PPP for small businesses, vaccine money, school money. Um, the two big sticking points, and I really feel like this perfectly illustrates, uh, in my opinion. Uh, the difference between Democrats and Republicans. There are two big things that got left out of this bill um, in order for both sides to say, okay, we can actually pull the trigger and actually do our job and help people. Um, on the Democrat side, Democrats really wanted to give money to state and local governments. Uh, you know, again, unlike the federal government, states are required to balance their budgets. Um, and when you lose, you know, when your economy is in the shitter, uh, what that often means is cutting salaries, cutting positions for state and local government employees. And those are people like teachers and policemen and fire officers. And, you know, they're people that actually have real jobs and really help the community. Um, and so Democrats want to say, hey, we need to give money to these governments so that they can stay afloat. Uh, Republicans, on the other hand, their big sticking point was they want liability protections for big businesses who have you know, expose their uh, employees unnecessarily to, uh, to COVID and have not followed state guidelines and, and, and proper recommendations. And they want to prevent employees from being able to sue their businesses, their employers, 
uh, for, you know, a workplace danger. So, I mean, to me, again, I know, you know, there's a lot of dysfunction in Washington on both sides all the way around. Um, but that's just one simple example of why, you know, I, I, I often support Democrats and, and, and believe in a lot of their ideas versus uh, supporting Republicans. Yeah, it seems a little wild to, to think here. <laughs> your number one priority is, is making sure that nobody's going to get in trouble for putting people in. I mean, you're right though. That isn't that, that perfectly the, uh, perfectly illustrate how it's been this entire time. Republicans pushing to keep everything open and and basically say, who cares what the cost is and Democrats saying this is an unprecedented time in our history and we should do what we can to to help take care of each other. I, yeah, I mean, I a hundred percent agree with what you said there. Um, and again, though, I don't want to cut Democrats all the slack. Like Nancy Pelosi gets up on the, the House floor and she said that the $600 checks are significant. And it's like, okay, well, your outfit is more than that $600 check that you're going to be giving, uh, you know, quite a few Americans. Um, <laughs> you know, so yeah, that's not great either. But if you want, again, this, you know, false equivalency that goes around like, oh, well, everything's the same in Washington. It's like, no, like, there are two distinct sides um, split down the aisle, and one side I think is much more uh, respectable and defendable than the other. So, what do you think, Andy? So, like, you know, this will be the second round of stimulus. I know you've talked about, you know, maybe some fiscal conservative leanings. Like, what do you think about the stimulus in particular? Is the thing that affects most of us? Like, do you think that you know it should be more means tested? It should, you know you know, scale to be, you know, give more to people in worse off positions than, than not. Like, what do you think about stimulus overall as a whole? Well, I mean, I, I guess to answer that question, you have to look at what is the whole point of the stimulus. If the idea is really to stimulate the economy by people spending and buying things, then I think maybe a equal across the board approach makes sense. Because, I mean, if you have people that are the stimulus is a bit of, you know, luxury money rather than scraping everything together to survive. They're probably more likely to spend that on things that are going to, you know, really stimulate the economy and consumer goods. Whereas if you have people that are really struggling at the bottom, they're going to spend that on, you know, food, (laughs) very basic essentials (laughs) from like a moral, are we trying to be decent people perspective? I mean, yeah, absolutely. People that are in more need should be getting more money. People, I mean, it, it goes what up to seventy five thousand a, a person, one hundred fifty a family. I think. Yep. There, there's a big difference between a family that's bringing in one hundred and fifty thousand a year, or you know, one hundred and forty, one hundred thirty. Let's say somebody that's right under that that threshold that is probably living pretty comfortably, and before this hit, maybe had a decent savings, or at least had the opportunity to maybe sock some money away, versus somebody who's living, you know, working a just above minimum wage job and is is struggling right around that poverty line. I mean. <laughs> Professionally, I work, you know, I I end up in situations with people that that tend to be towards that lower end of of things. And it's not that they don't want to put, you know, a rainy day fund away for for maybe not a once in a lifetime pandemic kind of fund, but even just a a couple hundred bucks, you know, something breaks on the car kind of thing. But the system is just not set up that the people that are those lowest end of the wage earners can even do that. So, yeah, absolutely. We should be giving more money to the people that need it. This 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 pandemic has disproportionately, I mean, like everything in this country, has disproportionately hit people that make less money harder. 
So we should be doing what we can to help them out. But it'll never happen because you can't sell that to the, you know, 8,000 counties that voted for Trump. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's, and it's even like just the cost of living thing around the country too, right? Like you might be making $140,000. If you're making $140,000 as a family where we live, you are you are well off. You are doing great. You're more than twice the medium household income uh, in Northwest Ohio where we are. I mean, if you're making $140,000 in Seattle or San Francisco, you know, LA, New York, like you are, you know, you might be struggling to make ends meet still. So um, I mean, I, I do get it. Like, you know, we sacrifice some, you know, benefit just to be able to get checks out quickly. I mean, I know people at my work who still haven't received their original stimulus check for whatever wow. reason. Uh, you know, I got mine. Uh, you know, we got ours, you know, within a week or two of it, you know, in the first wave of it going out. Um, so I totally get, you know, you want to get money into people's hands as quickly as you can. But I don't know. I just don't know if this is the best way. Again, we don't know what's going to be coming down the pike in 2021. Uh, there is rumblings already that Joe Biden's looking for another round once he starts um, as president. We don't know what that stimulus, uh, how it would manifest itself. Uh, we still don't know yet what the Senate is going to look like. That will also take place in early January. Um, a blue Senate will probably be much more generous than a red Senate um, as far as COVID uh, relief. So still a lot of things up in there. Just, you know, even even Congress can kind of, you know, just uh, kind of wind down as the holidays approach and maybe not be as urgent as we need them to be. But uh Things are happening now, and I think a whole lot's going to happen uh, you know, once Biden takes uh, office in January. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, I'd like to say I, I think you made a great point with the, uh, you know, I, I was thinking from a Toledo perspective. So, yeah, to say $140,000 goes a long way everywhere. Definitely a good point that, that you can be really struggling with that, you know, if, especially if you hit the the West Coast for sure, maybe parts of the East Coast as well. Yeah, let's hope that there's more coming, because I think if, if this is it, I think there's going to be, I mean, it, there's people that are struggling now, and th- this isn't going to move the needle a whole lot on making life more manageable for those people. For sure. So, as we've established on this podcast, you are the space guy. I am the um, space guy. So, tell us what's happening with Space Force. Oh, man, Space Force. <laughs> So on, I guess on a, I think Space Force is a joke. Um, <laughs> it was kind of <laughs> tough to say, but I mean, I think it's a joke. I mean, I, I, we've literally did, like, you know, signed treaties that we're not going to weaponize space. Um, so <laughs> I literally don't even understand how that works because I'm pretty sure like as a planet, we're like, hey, guys, like, let's not fuck with space. Like, <laughs> all right, we can fight down here, but space, let's leave space cool. So like, I don't even know how that works, first of all. Um, so I'll start with some positives because I'm gonna try and be, you know, optimistic guy going into 2021. The uh, Space Force is gonna have significant facilities here in Ohio, so that's gonna be like a positive economic thing for Ohio. So that's, that's something to be excited about. But Space Force came out this week and they are calling Space Force personnel. So, you know, the Navy has sailors, the Army has soldiers, <laughs> the Marine Corps has Marines, the Space Force 
has guardians. 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 Not of the galaxy. <laughs> we're the guardians of the galaxy. I Andy, think, have you I seen think Guardians of the Galaxy? No, I haven't seen that. Oh, Come on, it's a Marvel movie. <laughs> I know you will. You would, between the soundtrack and just Chris Pratt just being an asshole. I think you would actually enjoy this one, but uh, oh, love man, Chris, love Chris Pratt, and my kid thinks Groot is the best thing ever. He's never seen the movie. I'm assuming he's seen like a toy or something. He talks to me about Groot all the time. He's like, "Hey, do you like Groot? Tell me more about Groot." And I'm like, <laughs> uh, "I think he's a tree. I don't know." Oh, that's amazing. Loves him so. I might have to. I might just have to do some uh, some dad research there and watch it just so I can answer some questions. Oh well, it's it's pretty simple. Uh, characters voiced by Vin Diesel, and all he does is say his name in various inflections. So um, I can find that. I I, I can see that being amusing. So <laughs> oh, Guardians. That's just that's just crazy to me. So so I'm gonna make another pop culture reference here. Have you seen Handmaid's Tale? um definitely on the list of things to watch but no i have not yeah that's one that i am anxiously awaiting and i, th- I think they've been pushed back quite a bit by covid but i am anxiously awaiting the next season so that was one that we didn't pick up until it might have been that might have been a quarantine watch or something right before and it was fantastic but the so I'm assuming you get kind of the idea that it's like some sort of a dystopian future yep. mm-hmm. uh women women are we'll say less than valued to put it kindly um and the totally fascist security force in that show are the guardians (laughs) so i don't know if that was intentional i don't know if that was a joke i can't imagine that you know like mike pence seems to really be taking kind of the the head of the space force so he's he's kind of the steve carell i guess of our of our space force um I don't know if you've seen the show Space Force. I watched a couple episodes of that too. It's oh my gosh, Steve Carell. It's out there. It's decent. Um, it's kind of funny, but so I can't imagine that Mike Pence has seen Handmaid's Tale. But Guardians, man, that's that's a tough look. Why does Mike Pence have to watch uh, Handmaid's Tale when he just loves it? It's a, that's his life. That's his. <laughs> <laughs> Mike we, Pence. We... He of the oh, I don't feel comfortable being a, in a room with a woman all by myself. I. I need to have my wife there. I need to have other people there. Like, come on, man. We have, we, we've talked to, you know, we're, we're neighbors to Indiana. We found some cool places in Indiana and we've literally, if I had second thoughts about, Oh, do we really want to go to Indiana? If Mike Pence is any sort of a representative of their state. Uh, short more answer, than, no. <laughs> more than once we, we've talked about places in Indiana and be like, Oh, but Mike Pence, one of my uh-huh. least favorite spots in the entire country is Elkhart, Indiana. Oh, why would you go there? So Elkhart, Indiana is the exit where I got my first ever speeding ticket. Oh, uh, I guess I'll tell this story real quick. So <laughs> um, go back to, I don't know, November 2011, uh, I think. And uh, I was on my way moving out to Madison, Wisconsin. I had packed my tiny little Honda Civic to the gills with all of my stuff. Um, and I did not get my license until very late, especially compared to you. Uh, not until the summer between uh, my undergrad and, and grad school years when I was 22. Um, so I'm not a good driver and I'm still not really a great driver. Um, and so one thing that I had never considered is when traveling on the turnpike that you stop at tolls and they are a discrete distance um 
from each other. <laughs> that if you track how quickly you go between point A and point B, you can uh, figure out how fast somebody is going on the turnpike. So, you know, I was going up to Madison. It's a six and a half hour drive. You know, it was very, you know, open, not a lot of traffic. So I'm going 85. I'm going 15 over or whatnot. Um, eventually, I get pulled over by a cop who's just chilling and I pass him and the lights go on. It's the first time I had ever been pulled over by a police officer. And uh, so I pull over and he walks up and uh, I roll down my window and he goes, license and registration. And I have my license already. Uh, but then I look over to my glove box, which is barricaded by like, you know, a dresser and a bunch of other stuff. He's like, <laughs> oh, he's like, oh, okay, don't worry about it. He comes back and he's like, uh, so we tracked you going to 85 through the tolls and the, you know, the big light bulb goes over my head. Uh, where, oh no you know, I it out. but he he was a total he, you know he was a very nice guy he said oh we'll knock it down to just 10 over you know roll me up a ticket or whatever um but I, I was almost late paying the ticket because i ended up calling on like veterans day to try and get it you know taken care of and didn't realize that the office was closed for the holiday uh, so every time i've gone back and forth between Madison, Chicago, many times, and every time I drive by the Elkhart, Indiana exit, I give it the middle finger. So, yeah, and, and drive fifty-five, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Definitely don't. Speak. Hey, so when you pulled up to the toll booth, so when you were, you know, zipping <laughs> through at eighty-five, did you pull over close enough you could just reach out the window and grab the ticket? Oh my god! So <laughs> the very first time I went out to Madison, interview for a job I didn't get, I uh, Andy sat right next to me. Uh, because I wanted some company and I completely just fucked up my entrance into the toll and I had to like stop, park my car, like get up, we'll lead out to get my ticket. It was it was not a good it was not a good look. You you got you we had to open the door and get out of the door and walk over <laughs> to I think it was two or three steps. Oh it was uh it was not my best moment, let's put it that way. Hey, that was a great trip though. Yeah, that was. We did, we did a quick turnaround. It was like up on a Friday and back home on a Sunday. But I think you got some really good Wisconsin cheese out of it. So Oh, we got some like 25-year-age cheddar. Me and Zach got a, a piece of that. We ended up being able to walk to midfield at Camp Randall. We had a great time. Meanwhile, I spent all day interviewing for a job I didn't get. So, you know. Hey, okay, so out. maybe it wasn't a great trip for you, but I had a great time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm glad you did. Um, uh, the only other really thing I want, uh, we want to talk about in news, Andy, I have not followed at all any of the, like, apparently parts of our government just got hacked by Russia. Uh, so I don't have anything intelligent to say about it. So therefore, I'm I'm going to pass. Uh, did you, did you, have you been following the story at all? No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, oh, hey. You know, again, I'm just used to it. It's 2020. Like, all of my information is out on the internet. I just assume that everybody in the world, you know, has it, and and hopefully I don't get hacked or, you know, uh, you know, defrauded or anything. But yeah, it's just it's just crazy how numb we are to things in 2020. Like, so much has happened over the last four years that I don't even know if anything's really going to be like a five alarm fire anymore. Yeah, I, I've had that feeling a couple of times just reading, you know, political news or tweets or, oh, you know, they're discussing martial law in the Oval Office. And it's like, oh, OK, whatever. Like <laughs> previously, I feel like that would have been the biggest story in like, I don't know, a decade. And now it's just sort of like, OK, I mean, what am I in for dinner? Yeah, I mean, 
it, it's just if you go back to like you know the obama years or the bush years or whatever like obama like if i remember this correctly he had a secretary of i believe like treasury or whatnot like like made a mistake on his taxes and that was like enough to sink the guy and he didn't and he ended up withdrawing his confirmation and now it's just like you know again there's the old like if trump murdered somebody on fifth avenue like well you know are we really that surprised is it really that big of a deal it's just i don't even know what you know it's crazy it's just it's just so crazy i'm very curious to see how 2021 is going to feel in comparison to this I mean, at this point, it's safe to assume as far as the, the Russia hack that, that Mike Pence was just genuinely trying to send some money to a prince in Ghana in hopes that <laughs> he could help balance the budget, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, mean, was, maybe. He was trying to help us all out. It could, certainly, could certainly be that way. You know, oh, you won the lottery. Just click on this link. Yeah. I mean, if Mike Pence is listening, and I'm sure he's not. I'm sorry, Mike. I don't know. I feel like I'm coming at you hard this episode. and. I, it, it's not. I mean, it's it's nothing personal. I've I've always thought you were trash, but you haven't done anything particularly <laughs> in the last month or so to, to make me come this hard at you. So uh, my bad. Well, funny that you speak of him specifically. He is going to be in the hottest of hot seats uh, in a couple of weeks here because, as vice president, the Constitution specifies that he is the person that presides over, uh, you know, Congress officially ratifying who the next president is going to be. So if, you know, some fringe or not so fringe Republican congressman want to make some stink and do some potentially unconstitutional things, he's going to be one holding the bag and either pissing off his boss or, you know, starting a civil war. Like, I, I, you know, not a great spot to be in. Yes, yeah, that's, that's a tough spot to be in between pissing off Trump and potentially ending the union. That's not a spot I'd want to be in. <laughs> All right, one one minor news story. This is a pretty online story, uh, but it's pretty. It, it is uh, a slightly eye opening, even in twenty twenty one. There is some horrible, horrible. I believe Wall Street Journal uh, editorial. And to be fair, I ended up doing a little digging. And the author of this article, I think, is like 90 years old. Um, He's very old um, and also has some extremely homophobic things in his background. Uh, But basically, he wrote an op-ed that the whole point of the op-ed was to say, Jill Biden, who goes by Dr. Jill Biden, because she has a doctorate in education, um, she needs to drop the doctor title that using it is pretentious uh he called her kiddo in the lead of his article uh and just all around just some of the most blatantly misogynistic shit i've ever read uh in a in what's the news side of the wall street journal is at least decently respectable um just just a whole load of garbage I mean, what a joke. So we're not, all, I mean, how many friends do we have that are, that are PhDs? I wouldn't dream of calling them anything other than doctor, even though they probably don't even want to be called doctor. <laughs> I, <laughs> what, I, when I read that story, I, I literally couldn't even believe it, that they're trying to say that, that now, I mean, fuck Republican. You don't listen to doctors anyway. Why do you care if she calls herself the doctor? You're not going to mistakenly take her advice and say, oh, this is legitimate medical advice. Maybe we should listen to it. You don't care what the doctors say anyway. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. I mean, that that's it right there. Like, I mean, yeah, 
you you don't respect professionals you don't respect science like why why do you even care i just don't get it yeah i mean to to take that art i mean and that's an attention grabbing headline and clearly that that has to be i can't imagine that anyone's going to legitimately try and make that point that that's got to just be a little bit of clickbait and i guess we fell for it but joke get that guy out of here it's click you say clickbait but it's the fucking wall street journal like it's not just like it's not oann it's not newsmax it's not just like you know you know red state donald trump is next coming to jesus.com like legitimate yeah. news sources is what you're talking about right there and it just it, it keeps getting worse the longer you read that it's basically like oh like her, her doctor her doctor i believe was in you know, like something about teaching community college students or like ways for, you know, them to succeed or whatever. And the author basically was like, oh, look at what her subject matter was. Like, that's not important at all. It's like, how how out of touch do you have to be? Just, just awful. Yeah, that's, that's a complete joke. Dr. Joe Biden, all the way. Yeah, I mean, there are very few PhDs that I can actually think of who like, who would insist to be called, you know, you must call me doctor in a very serious way or whatnot. Um, and I don't think Jill, uh, Dr. Jill Biden has ever made that kind of ask or whatever, but to like, that, that's something that that person has deserved, you know, deserves. I mean, they spent a long time, a lot of hard work, a lot of, uh, you know, intelligence and insight to gain uh, and just to be so dismissive. It's just, you know, this is, this is the start. We're going to have a, a, a democratic president and already the hit pieces even you know for something as stupid as this have already started yeah i mean i think we've cycled back in 15 minutes or so to the uh handmaid's tale world that a lot of this country apparently wants disgusting okay so a topic that's uh potentially made us even more fired up uh than than what we've already talked about andy you were on the war path about college football playoff, the Big Ten, college football. Give us the rundown, man. All right, so I'm gonna hit. I'm gonna stop and hit you with the Lee Corso. Wait a second. Hold <laughs> on. Not so fast. Columbus, Ohio, is a city of champions. Can we talk about that? Oh, go for it, please. All right. I mean, I, there might have been a football game this weekend, but did you see Saturday night? The Columbus Crew win their second MLS Cup. Um, I experienced it via your Twitter feed, and that was about it, to be honest. Hey, that was a decent experience. I, I feel like I hit the uh, hit the major highlights there. Lucas Zellerian, uh, this dude is from Argentina. I'm going to be honest, I haven't watched a ton of Crew. I've watched maybe three or four regular season matches, and then I watched most of the playoffs. This team was sweet. This dude is ridiculous. He had two goals in the final. I think he had another one or two throughout the playoff. I mean, this dude is sick. This team was playing Seattle. I mean, Seattle is kind of the power. They're a bit of the Patriots of the MLS. I mean, they're they're pretty legit. They're there every year. I think they were favored to win this. And then Darlington Nagby, the star midfielder for Columbus, test positive, isn't able to play in the final. So oh, Columbus shit. is shorthanded against a team they're probably – I mean, they're, they're definitely the underdog, too, even with Nagby. So they come out, and they put a three-goal whooping on Seattle. Columbus. I mean, th- 
this was a match that it was like, all right, Columbus, stay in this, stay in this, stay in this. And they come out and they score and they score and then they pop in the third. And it's like they have just had the foot on the gas and they are not looking back. It was a great match. So Columbus, Ohio, city of champions once again. Excellent. Uh, anything that brings glory to Columbus is always good in my book. Um, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Andy, like wasn't the team in some jeopardy? Weren't they, uh, you know, threatened to be moved somewhere else and, Ultimately, uh, they ended up staying in Columbus. Yeah, not that long ago, they had to have a campaign to hashtag save the crew. They were going to be moved to Austin. And it it really took the entire community rallying uh, behind the team, and they were able to save the team and and keep them in Columbus. So, yeah, I mean, I want to say it was three, four years ago, there was a chance that the Columbus crew, one of the original MLS teams, would be no more. and, And so they saved the team and they're moving to, that was the last game at the old crew stadium. They don't call it crew stadium anymore, but I'll always call it crew stadium. Um, you know, where I watched the U S punch their ticket to go to Brazil by beating Mexico to nothing. Dos Cero, probably the best sporting event I've ever <laughs> been to in live. I'm buzzing on the soccer now. So a great stadium. So that, that was the final match that was going to be played in there with the crew. So they're, they're moving to what's supposed to be a beautiful downtown stadium. But yeah, that there was a real chance that, that the crew would be no more. So what a turnaround in four years. They, they went from the team that got saved to the team that wins championships. Wonderful. Uh, I miss Columbus so much. I really want to go back and visit once, you know, this pandemic's under control and just walk around campus and, uh, relive some of the glory days. Absolutely beautiful city. I, I actually, when we were in school down there, I went to the conference finals when they went the the last time they won. They played Chicago in the conference finals before they went on to win the MLS Cup. So that was also good. that that was my first crew experience. It was it was a good time. That was before I was long before I was the soccer fan that I am now. So yeah, we should get down there to a match for sure. All right, are we going to switch from football to football now? Yeah, we can go to uh, double O football here. <laughs> All Man, <right>. you <laughs> you were pretty irate about the whole situation, so tell, yeah, tell so, us why. So I think I think. I think I might be holding on to college football football for nostalgia because, man, the, the more I watch the NFL, the more it, it's the superior product. I mean, of course, it's a superior product. It's professional football versus college football. But the Big Ten is a joke. Can we talk about the Big Ten being a joke? The COVID rules are a joke. I mean, I have s- some kind of joking takes on this and then I have a real take. So let's start. With, I mean, my real take on this is this kind of shit undermines people's trust in public health. When you set rules, you say, we're going to have this amount of quarantine because that's what's backed by the science and that's what needs to be safe. And then you just flip and say, you know what, fuck it. We don't need that. We're going to do whatever makes sense for us. That's where I I think things like that absolutely contribute to people taking public health messaging and then saying, "Eh, you know what, I'm just going to kind of take this over. I want to like, yeah, I know I should be socially distant, but hey, I'm going to also have a Thanksgiving party with 45 people at it because that's what I feel like doing. And that's exactly what the Big Ten is doing here. They're doing whatever they feel like doing. They said you got to play in, what was it, six games to make it to the yep. the championship? Yeah. And then Ohio State doesn't make it. And they say, ah, you know what, fuck it. We'll, make, we'll change that rule. Well, whatever. We got to get, get Ohio State in. No, look, 
Did Ohio State deserve to be in? Absolutely. They're the best team in the conference. It would have been Indiana. Otherwise, they'd be Indiana head-to-head. So on merit, did Ohio State deserve to be in? Absolutely. But don't make the rule if you're not going to follow it. And then the quarantine rule is just more ridiculous, that it's a 21-day quarantine. Again, is that excessive? Maybe. Should they have made that rule? Maybe not. But you know what? You did make the rule. And if you're going to make that rule, to have that rule on the books – Every other team in the league has played by that rule for the last two months. And then to say, hey, you know what, it's 17 days. Coincidentally, that's going to get Ohio State the players that they need back to the college football playoffs so they don't get absolutely pushed off the stage by Clemson once again. Get out of here, Big Ten. If you're not going to follow the rules that you're making, don't make them because you'll look like a fool. You got egg on your face because you're going to say, let's just change the rules however we need to. If you're going to do whatever you want, just Take that approach from the beginning. Don't pretend like you're going to have rules that you're actually going to follow. I think I agree with most of that. So I don't have a problem with them changing the um, amount of games needed to be played to be in the Big Ten Championship game. Um, I I don't have a problem uh, with, you know, the what qualifications do you need, yada, yada. The medical decision... Uh, is a bit more alarming. Um, as you say, Chris Olave, among 20-something other players, uh, was out for the Big Ten Championship game, which we should know Ohio State did win, though in much less definitive fashion than most people would have expected. Um, but Chris Olave, leading receiver, was out for the game. There's potential for him to be out for the college football playoff, and then you know we changed the rules. That one in particular, because you're saying, look, like, okay, like an actual safety protocol uh, that we had in place has been changed. I you, One could say that, you know, the Big Ten as a whole is done. You know, they're going to be playing non-Big Ten teams and their league is done. Uh, and maybe they can hang their hat on that very thin justification. But let's just be blatantly clear. College football should not have been played this year. The Big Ten thought they were going to be the leaders in the best and we're the very first people to say, no, we're not going to do this. It doesn't make sense. It's not safe. It's not worth it. Uh, it's not fair to our work, unpaid workforce uh, who does not, in general, reap most of the benefits of the system. And they you know, got together with the Pac-10, and they said, okay, we're going to work this out. We're going to announce it together. And they thought that everybody else was going to fall in line, and that was the reasonable thing. And when the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 didn't fall in line, they said, like, oh, well, you know, if everybody else is doing it, I guess I get to do it, too. And they just undid all, you know, they kept some of the things, right? Like, they didn't have people in their stadiums. Uh, they did some more uh, health checks as far as myocarditis. They, you know, they had the 21-day rule instead of a 14-day rule uh, that eventually gets, uh, you know, repealed back. So they made these attempts. But, yes, I do agree with your main thesis that, you put all these rules in place, which there's no enforcement of them. You can do whatever you want to them. And then as soon as it becomes most beneficial to you as a conference overall, you get rid of the ones that are, you know, irritating, the ones that are, you know, uncomfortable. Uh, and it just means you can't pretend anymore that you were this, you know, uh, head and shoulders league above all the others that played it safe for everyone. I mean, you might have tried to do that, but ultimately, in the end, you are no better than what the ACC or the SEC ended up doing. Yeah, I mean, at least the SEC and the ACC were honest about their own doing. They're saying we're going to 
benefit all we can off the backs of this workforce that is gonna, isn't going to make a dime off it. And, and you know, we're going to make them plenty of bucks and we don't give a shit about their health. I, I'd rather you look me in the face and tell me you're going to do that than be the Big Ten and pretend like you care and then do it the way they did it. 100% agree, too. I, I don't know if I made this clear. It, I feel like I made it clear before, but where you said that college football should not have been played this year, I just want to put on there that I 100% co-sign on this. And to even consider this season real is – I don't know if I would consider it the same as winning, you know, as 2014 if Ohio State were to win the championship. I think this is an entertaining exhibition. I think it's an exhibition that shouldn't have been played because it's absolutely profiting off the labor of people that really get nothing off the system. And and I feel like we're flirted. We've almost flirted with kind of going into the NCAA episode that's looming at some point that we're going to have to take on the NCAA. But college football should not have been played. But the Big Ten, I think, just looks so stupid right now that they're exactly coming out and trying to say at the beginning of this, look at us, you know, safety is more important. And then at the end of the day, it's, yeah, we don't care, whatever it takes to to make that buck that we got to make. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I don't think it should have been played. I did accept the fact and, and, and welcome the fact that, you know, if the powers that be decided it was going to be played, you know, I wasn't going to boycott it. You know, I have been watching. You know, yes, I think it's, uh, you know, it's ridiculous, but uh, everyone's committed to playing now. The semifinals are going to happen. New Year's Day, uh, Ohio State will uh, rematch against Clemson uh, in the two and three game. And then Alabama and Notre Dame will play. And man, Andy, uh, Vegas is all over these favorites. Uh, Alabama opened up as a 17 and a half point favorite over Notre Dame Clemson uh, six and a half points uh, over us. And those lines have moved up uh, in the days since the lines have gone up. Yeah. That's not a surprise to me. I would take the favorites pretty heavy in this. I mean, I don't think Alabama Notre Dame is going to even be remotely watchable. And I don't, I'm not sure. I think Ohio state Clemson is going to be much better. Yeah. I weirdly think that I would have, like to have played Bama this year more than Clemson uh, from our perspective. Again, the rest of this, uh, the rest of this uh, podcast, I'm basically just going to set my, this football playoff is ridiculous hat aside and treat it as if this is a somewhat legit, uh, legitimate endeavor. Talk about uh, some of the football uh, while that specter looms in the background. Um, Alabama, uh, their defense doesn't seem particularly good. I think if we're going to beat either of these teams, the defense has not really left me all warm and cozy. Uh, so it might have to be a shootout. So that might uh, have, you know, been better to, if we can score at will against Bama and they can score at will against us, you know, just see who has the ball at the end uh, and whatnot. But Clemson put a hurting on Notre Dame. Um, Notre Dame should still be exiled from the college football playoff. After the last time they got obliterated by Alabama, um, but they they are in here. So Andy, do you agree? Bama one, Clemson two, Ohio State three, Notre Dame four. What would you have done to fill those four spots? So I'm going to preface this by saying I haven't watched enough general college football to to really be able to answer that question. I probably I think I watched Clemson Notre Dame the first time, and I watched. Bama play. I, I can't even tell you who I watched Bama play. It was one of the decent teams. So I, I've only watched those teams play one time. I mean, Bama at one, 100% agree with that. 
Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm on board with Clemson at two as well. I mean, Clemson without Trevor Lawrence lost. Sure. But I mean, <laughs> Clemson with the best quarterback in college football and in a long time, I think it's hard to argue against them being a really, really good team. Ohio state at three feels right. I mean, Notre Dame at four. I mean, isn't this just three teams and then it falls off a cliff? Like I, yeah. I mean, give Bama the bye. Yeah. I mean, don't, don't, don't expose anybody to, to potential COVID infection. Just let Bama stay home. They play the winner of, I mean, you could honestly make that the college football playoff just about every year. Ohio state plays Clemson Bama gets the winner. Yeah. I mean, and I'm just going to have the savings pulled up in front of me and there's just a whole lot of no, like Notre Dame, you beat Clemson when Trevor Lawrence is out and then you get annihilated by them when Clemson has them back. I don't feel good about that. Texas A&M, you didn't even play in your championship game. You're 8-1. Oklahoma, you're 8-2. You lost to some horrible teams at the beginning of the year. No. Florida has three losses, and now we're all the way down to number eight, Cincy, who is 9-0. What are your thoughts on some of these non-Power 5 teams? Like, you know, if you can't make it in this year, do you have any shot of ever making it in uh, if it's just a four-team playoff? No. And I think that I think where they put Cincinnati was just, I mean, you know, of course I'm going to root for the in-state team. So a little bit, you know, a little bit biased here, but I mean, I think that was, that was such a statement for them to put them at, would you say it was eight? I thought they were at seven, but that they put them all the eight, way down to eight, eight in the eight in the, in the college football playoff ranking. Yeah. So, I mean, that you're, you're telling a team that, I mean, nobody thinks that Notre Dame has a fucking chance. Nobody thinks Notre Dame's a decent team. So if you're going to put them in at four, you're going to put A&M, who's done nothing at five. You're going to put Oklahoma that's lost two times in a conference that's not that great above them. I mean, I think that's a clear message from the college football playoff committee. Hey, you're never going to get in from outside the power five. And honestly – not to take it too far off base here, but I, the college football playoff to me, I think is one of the reasons why I struggle so much with college football. It's a joke to name that the winner. It's the BCS dressed up with a little bit of lipstick. Like let's, let's be honest here. This isn't any better than what we had before. This isn't fair. The brands make it in the Notre Dame's make it in the Ohio States are going to, I mean, we're going to benefit from having our name. We didn't this year. We may, I mean, Ohio state deserved to be in this year to be the big 10 champion, to be undefeated. Ohio state deserved to be in, but there's going to be years where we're marginal and there's teams that have objectively probably a better resume and we're going to get in because we travel well and we're big money to treat this. Like it's some sort of fair thing is a joke. The college football playoff. I, I honestly hate it. I don't, I don't get excited for it. I preferred the BCS hot take. <laughs> I don't think it's any different. It's the BCS with a couple more games. It's the, What's BCS the difference? Four, it's the BCS with four teams. You just get, you avoid what year was it when it was like USC, Oklahoma and Auburn and like a very good team was shut out of um, the national championship game. Uh, but you're right. I mean, this is just the four teams. Um, you know, they say, Florida with three losses, three. I don't care who they are. They have them ranked above Cincinnati. Like, come on now. Get out of here. Now, with all that being said, I mean, do you like six? Do you like eight? Like, what do you think? No, I don't think I do because I think you're going to, I think you'll see the same thing. 
I think Cincinnati would end up at nine if they had an eighteen playoff. Yeah. I, I Yeah. I mean the the absolute lack of parody in college football, I think, is unexciting. Like it's gotten to the point where I I can't sit down and watch Ohio State shit kick nine teams a year. Like when I see Ohio State playing Illinois on the schedule. I mean, yeah, am I going to be excited to see them kill Brett Bielema because Brett Bielema is absolute trash? Sure. <laughs> so I probably will watch that one because I absolutely hate Brett Bielema with a burning passion. So bad example that came off the top of my head. When I see Ohio State against, they're an awful Big Ten team here. Michigan State, let's say. Yeah, hot take. Michigan State, you're trash. I'm probably not going to sit down and watch that. I don't want to watch it. I don't care. I don't need to see you score 63 points on Maryland. Get, like I, it's just not amusing I, I look i have limited time that i can sit down and watch the tv and i'll watch an nfl game on sunday that actually matters and, and maybe that maybe i'm just coming to the the end of my college football life cycle and i guess if that's where we're at that's where we're at but no i don't i don't want to watch more i want to watch like a champions league man i want to see like the good team like just put all the good teams together. Let's be honest. There's only 20 teams that ever even have a fucking chance because they have the right brand name recognition. Just put them together. Yeah. Play, yeah. play Champions League with groups. Play a four-team round robin. You know, you can play six conference games. Play a four-team round robin of the best teams, Champions League style. Two from the group move on. Let's do it a little bit more European soccer style. Let's have the good teams playing the good teams so we can figure something out. Right? That, I don't want to watch Ohio State kill Rutgers anymore. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. Well, if the Big Time would listen to us, they would just kick Rutgers out of the league, and then we, you know, wouldn't have to worry about it as much. So, yeah, I mean, if <laughs> you want to talk about numbers, I don't think I want to watch any more because I mean, when you get to one to eight, I mean, I don't want to watch Alabama beat the shit out of who's the who's the eight team right now, Cincinnati. I don't yeah. watch that either, but yeah. I mean, yeah, let's get the Big Ten back down closer to 10. Don't take Northwestern because I love the Wildcats, especially after this weekend. I thought that was a great performance. It was very entertaining, and it was it was almost hard to root against Northwestern. So, I mean, we'll kick out one of the, the legacy members, and we'll keep Northwestern. But, yeah, let's get closer to 10 in the Big Ten. That's, that's a realignment I can support. The play calling in the game was so maddening to me. I mean, you know, because I was screaming about it in the group text message, like, you know, they're this highly, highly ranked pass defense. We have our number one and number three wide receivers out, our wide receiver coach out. J- just run the ball, and eventually it finally clicked because Trey Sermon just lit it up in the second half. Um, I saw the stat that had, uh, of all the games played last weekend, Trey Sermon was obviously the r- leading rusher. But then Trey Sermon, yards after contact, was the second leading rusher. Um compared to everyone else so wow uh, just a phenomenal performance by him phenomenal performance by the line um just do the thing that's gonna work and if that you know don't make justin fields throw the ball you know 40 times if uh if you can just run the ball and 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 win that way so um i think a lot of people are uh succumbing to a little bit of recency bias like we we had a lot of people out the coaching was weirdly bad. Justin Fields, again, his it, he looks like he has a sprained thumb. Uh, who knows how much that's going to affect him. That could be uh, a nice excuse if we get thrashed by Clemson. But I think people are, are, are sleeping on us a little bit. I'm not saying I would, you know, I'd feel great about taking us. 
uh, on New Year's Day. Uh, but I, you know, this line has gone from six and a half to eight and a half. Um, if it starts getting up to double digits, like I would strongly think about wagering a bunch of fake dollars on uh, on Ohio State because I, I think I think we can hang. I think we're better than we've looked over the last week or so. But again, who knows, you know, how many people are we going to get back? Uh, how many people will we gain extra from the 17-day rule? Uh, it remains to be seen. Uh, the last thing I want to touch about on college football is just my own personal dislike for Dabo Sweeney, who's back in the news. Um, Dabo Sweeney uh, was one of eight coaches who left the Buckeyes out of the top four. N- not a surprise. Georgia, Alabama, Texas A&M, a bunch of SEC teams. Who cares? Whatever. Uh, Dabo Sweeney, on the other hand, uh, it- it's not just that we weren't in the top four. He had us ranked 11, 11, Andy. Yeah, I mean, was that some sort of a commentary on the number of games we played? Yes, it, yeah. it, it does seem that way. So he's come out multiple times and says, you know, that, that they've played 11 games and that there's a grind and a physical and mental toll to just playing a game, even if it's versus Cupcake University, um, and that he respects teams that have played a bunch more games. Uh, you know, again, a lot of this makes sense from a before last weekend perspective, you know, because if they lost the Notre Dame again, which that that was not in jeopardy really, uh, once they actually started playing, but if they lost against Notre Dame, they could very easily have been out of the top four though. I looking at this list, I think you could make a case that they might have been kept in, uh, especially if the game was close. Uh, so he has to go out and he has to stump for his team. He has to try and keep them in the playoff uh, regardless of the result of their last game. But literally just one of the people that I dislike. You said that he that basically he is just this generation's Urban Meyer. And I think he is he is worse. Some of the things that he said about college athletes and 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 paying them and how you know opposed he is to that. Some of the uh some of the thoughts that he's had for some of his players of color and, and black lives matter and, and what he said about Colin Kaepernick, uh, basically saying that if he doesn't like it, he should move to another country. Um, I have a strong, strong dislike for this guy. And I really hope we can rub his face in it on New Year's day. Yeah. I mean, clearly on November 2nd, November 3rd, I've already pushed election day out of my mind, but <laughs> I mean, Dabo Sweeney clearly took L that day. I mean, let's, let's just, let's just be upfront there. So yeah, I mean, if we can hand him another loss, yeah, <laughs> let's get after it, man. So going to the urban Meyer comments. I, yeah. I, I, I did. Dabo is trash. Like I, in no way would I ever defend him. Absolute trash. I think my only argument is, is that urban Meyer is, is trash as well. Um, <laughs> I mean, if I don't know how much of the Aaron Hernandez stuff, I mean, that's going back to, to Florida days, but he, again, man, Dabo is at least he's an asshole to your face. I feel like Urban Meyer is just, it's, is slick, you know, like he, he tries to be quiet about it and kind of have like this pious look while he's also just, just doing like morally reprehensible things. So I think maybe the only thing that could even them out in my mind is like Dabo is hundred percent trash, but he at least comes by it. Honestly. 
the I. <laughs> And, and, and I mean, at, at this point, with the comments I've made about Ohio State today, nobody that likes Ohio State is even listening to me anymore. So, so I can just shut up. I would say Urban Meyer <laughs> is more of the Owen Wilson in the beginning of Wedding Crashers. Not a chance, but like, but go ahead with your comparison. Like, Owen Wilson is way better. Like, you know, he he asked himself in the mirror if he's completely full of shit or just fifty percent. Um, Owen Wilson did not ask himself that question. The woman that he forgot her name <laughs> asked him that question. First of all, you're not going to get me on Wedding Crashers because I love it. But um, just I, yes, I made so many cracks on Urban Meyer, especially towards the end of his Florida tenure. Because good lord, did they just care about winning games? And I mean, you, you obviously even just setting aside the Aaron Hernandez matter. I mean, you had players. You know, he had one of his linebackers fell asleep at, at a traffic sign or whatever, got picked up by the police, and I think he was suspended for, like, the first half or the first quarter or the first drive. Some, like, ridiculously, you know, small tenure, but it was an, uh, it was an important game for them. Uh, just as, you know, the shadiness that went on in Florida, the lack of discipline, and then, you know, you kind of have to – bury that hatchet a bit when he comes to your alma mater and you, and you start winning and whatnot. But, you know, if you think that, you know, for everything that happened in Florida, that that just all magically went away when he went to Ohio state, like, you know, you, you've buried your head in the sand. Uh, you are not looking at this with clear eyes. No, I mean, if you want a guy that's going to win you a lot of football games, uh, he is absolutely a guy that's going to win you a lot of football games. If you want a Jim Trussell, that's going to lead your program with, with class and be somebody that you can be proud of in a moral sense, man, I, you got to do some mental gymnastics to be able to justify that. And I mean, I, I mean, I think you and I, you know, we're talking about this back in the day when it happened or whatever, but I mean, when he now granted the university put him in a pretty bad spot after allegedly being in an all day meeting uh, and then putting him, trotting him out in front of the press uh, for a press conference. But, you know, when we had the, the coach who was accused of domestic abuse or whatnot. And then urban Meyer basically just went out and was supposed to say he was sorry. and basically just spit in everyone's face and, and said that he didn't do anything wrong and it didn't seem sorry at all. Like, again, like, you know, that, that is, I'm sure, you know, a good, a good part of his nature. And it's, uh, you know, I just want to win. I just want to, you know, stay at this program, make a lot of money, um, and you know, if I have to cut some corners, then so be it. So, no, and he's done all these things, and I mean, he's not listening to this show, he didn't give a shit what we think. <laughs> so, I think he's doing just fine. But I, I want to be clear, we we separate on this. Dabo is in a whole nother tier to me, and man, I just, I just really hope that we put him in his place. You know, I may have been before you reminded me of the terrible things that Irv Meyer said about Zach Smith and the domestic violence. I might have been able to take your to take that point, but since you reminded me of those, then I don't have them right in front of me. But I do remember being absolutely disgusted. I, I might stick to my point of, eh, they're both pretty awful. What a depressing! <laughs> what a depressing! Uh, you know, sports is usually the part of the show where we get lifted up, but uh, but man, uh, so we'll see what happens. Um, I'm really glad that they moved these. I, I thought the it sucked when the games were on New Year's Eve, and now they're on New Year's Day. Yeah, 
I, I mean, New Year's Day is, is traditional. I mean, there's no there's no winter classic. The NHL doesn't come back till the 13th. The NHL is coming back on the 13th, but it doesn't come back till the 13th. So it's not going to be getting in the, in the way of any hockey. I'd be watching either way. So, yeah. I mean, I like the tradition of New Year's Day as well. And I mean, if we want to talk about positive, we can go back to Trey Sermon, the Sermon on the Ground. I mean, are, are they renaming Eddie George's place? Are we going to get the national championship nachos at Trey Sermon's? Because I'm down for that. I'd like to try them. Man, between what? that and then like KJ Hill being the all time re- receiving leader at Ohio State, man, you know, I, you know, I went there and I'm going to be like five years from now, I'm going to be like, who are these people? Like, what are you, you sure it's not Ezekiel Elliott or Eddie George? Like, or you know, just man, so you know some some randoms with these records, but Trey Sermon looked great. And uh, I, I think Kenny arguing. G, I think Kenny G had, is tied for the most touchdowns in a game. Man, I was at the, I was at that game. I went to that game with my parents and and Eric. They beat the shit out of Florida A and M, and I think he threw for I think it was like six or seven. Yeah, and I think that's right. And that's one of those. I mean, <laughs> Kenny G started what, like four games, but yeah. he's got his name in the record books. So we'll see. Um, I'm, you know, pulling for my Buckeyes uh, next week, but uh, I'm, I'm definitely thinking it's going to be more of a disappointing Clemson. You know, disappointing loss to Clemson again, uh, and we'll start the year off on the wrong foot. But hopefully, I'm wrong. I don't know if you heard me. The NHL comes back on the 13th, so the pain won't last for too long. NBA is already back tomorrow, I believe. Tomorrow or Wednesday. Um, so, hey, that's exciting. So, yeah, college football will wind down. Unlike you, like, I, I totally agree with you. The NFL is the superior, uh, you know, product on the, on the TV screen. Uh, but just college football is still just magical. Still, you know, I connect more to the Ohio State football team than any professional team. Um, and uh so it still has that magic for me but uh you're right it has been this year has been you know the most farcical of all the years and that's really saying something for the ncaa yeah all right Andy, uh shall we move into our list of the week list of the week man finally listen to the uh listen back to an episode by the way because i can't stand the sound of my voice i don't know how any of you people out there that make it through an episode can stand the sound of my voice but the intro that we have to the list of the week is fantastic. <laughs> Love it. Yes. Um, I solicited, uh, for anybody that doesn't know, that is my oldest son. Uh, I made him do a few takes and I took the funniest one. Um, and that's what we went with. So, Absolute gold. I, I, I was glad I finally listened to I, I We just listened to that. I actually watched it or listened to it with my oldest. We, were, uh, we did the Top Toledo Restaurants. So we went, we went back to that episode and we're listening to it. And uh, yep. So I, I've, I heard the intro and loved it. We're going to have to get uh, your daughter on to do a, we're going to have to come up with another bit and she can, uh, she can lead us in. So. Yeah. One of, one of those times we got the two lists of the week. She she me the bonus list of the week. For sure. It's the list of the week. Okay, Andy, this one was you. So what'd you come up with? came up with the top five holiday movie characters okay so did you 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 said holiday and my my wife brought up a good point earlier did you limit this to christmas or do you have some random other parts of the year holidays as well 
No, I was using the the you know generic December holidays. Yeah, no, I I didn't come out with like my favorite Valentine's Day movie characters. <laughs> All right, good deal, good deal. Okay, which so we should be Rachel McAdams in anything, but <laughs> for sure, absolutely. Um, all right, so I'm going to let you start us off. I'm just going to give you a little uh, teaser that if you thought some of my food lists were trolling, um, I, uh, Christmas, again, who doesn't like Christmas? Like Christmas is a great time of the year. Uh, particularly, it's gone up several levels now that I, I'm a dad. And, uh, you know, you... You always kind of wondered, you know, if your parents were being serious when you were younger, when they say, oh, it's really just about your reaction and how you feel and look on your faces all that or whatever. Um, definitely true. Uh, Christmas with children is magical. Um, and I'm looking forward to that again this year uh, to buoy my spirits. Um, but Christmas in general, you know, if I hear Christmas music before Thanksgiving, that's a big no for me. Christmas tree went up before Thanksgiving this year. My wife is very much a, you know, Halloween is done and now it's Christmas season type person. Uh, I am, I just, just, that's not it for me. It's just, you know, it's for the kids and otherwise I can kind of take it or leave it. So I, I went rogue on this list and I'm curious to see what your list looks like. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Christmas definitely does not start until at least Thanksgiving. You're a psychopath if you're putting up your Christmas tree after uh, Halloween. Get out of here with that. All right. I co-signed that. <laughs> um, all right. So you want, you want me to, to tee us up and lead us off? Yep. Give us your number five. All right. So I'm going to start with the honorable mention list. Um, and man, I think this one's going to find its way onto the list eventually. But this movie came out this year. So I don't know if you've seen Jingle Jangle, but Jeronicus Jingle, I'm sorry, Jeronicus Jangle. If you haven't seen Jingle Jangle, it's it's a Netflix movie. It is fantastic. So if this can stand the test of the time and this becomes one that I anticipate this becoming a movie that can, you know, kind of makes it into the, the holiday rotation, the Christmas rotation. And I mean, if, if we watch this study for another couple of years, th- this is going to be up there. I mean, p- top three, probably. So if you haven't seen Jingle Jangle, get out watch it you still got time um so i'm gonna i'm gonna throw I, that's actually the kind of the inspiration of where this came from so I, I wanted to find a way to work in how great that movie was um it's you know it's, it's a little bit less less traditional of a christmas movie he's kind of just this I mean, maybe not he's this weird guy that's got his own little workshop and the granddaughter comes to visit you know and they they rebuild the old robot and I mean, literally had me kind of out of my seat at the end and be like, ah, you know, that, that kind of magical Christmas feeling. So it, it was a great, so Jingle Jangle, go see it. Jeronicus Jing- Jangle, forget that his last name is Jangle, not Jingle, would be my honorable mention. So I wanted to start there. But number five on my list is Scott Kelvin. Do you know who Scott Kelvin is? No, you're going to need, need to give me some context. All right, you're gonna know who this is. That is Tim Allen's character in the Santa Claus. Okay, all right, yeah. So you know, he finds the suit. He has to become Santa. So I, I they had to come out like mid '90s, you know, when we when we were kind of kids and had a little bit of the magic. So Santa Claus to me is just a great Christmas movie. And I mean, Tim Allen's character is hilarious in it. Tim Allen fan as it is. So Scott Kelvin. Tim Allen's character in the Santa Claus would be number five on my list. There was so much home improvement in our house growing up. That was unbelievable. 
yeah, that continued through college for us. I don't know if you were ever over for the uh, the home improvement days, but we actually rewatched it a bit in college. I was a much more intrusive Wilson uh, as your neighbor. I'll put it that way. <laughs> a Wilson that always knew when dinner was cooking. Yep. Okay. Um, number five on my list. I know runner-ups. Uh, I, I did take quite a bit to put this list together. Number five on my list, Billy Bob Thornton as Santa and Bad Santa. Nice. So uh, this is kind of starting off the flavor in my list. Uh, really just this movie reminds me of Deadpool. Uh, just so unexpected, so different than what you're, you're used to getting. Uh, Billy Bob just doesn't give any Fs in this movie. Uh, the, the humor is just raunchy and horrible. Uh, and really just taking, you know, a beloved Christmas and then adding that kind of element to it just really makes me laugh. So, uh, nothing super profound to say. I just find this movie funny. Uh, and that's why it's number five on my list. Very nice. All right. Number four for you. Yeah. Number four for me. I mean, it's absolute classic frosty, the snowman. Okay. Okay. I mean, you know, he's he's the classic. He he's the old, he won't be the only classic old school on on my list. But Frosty the Snowman, you know, he bring him to life, give him the hat, goes on just a fun, lighthearted adventure. It's something I've been watching since I was, you know, negative three years old. So Frosty the Snowman's got a place in my heart, and he made it to number four on the list. All right. So, how would you react if your daughter snuck off onto a train? To the North Pole. Don't you think you'd react poorly to that? I mean, yeah. I, I'm not. It's, <laughs> it's not a movie where it's got exemplary parenting for sure. Uh, think, um, of the, think of the children, Andy. Think of the children. I, yeah, and I, I mean, I think I think that's a bit of a theme in a lot of Christmas movies. There's a lot of Christmas movies that you look at and you're like, "What is going on in here?" Like, that's not good. You shouldn't be doing that. So, I mean, I think maybe that's a little bit of the magic is. You know, things that would maybe normally be something you'd have to report to Children's Services on Christmas. It's just a fun lark. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, that's classic. Can't really argue against that one. Uh, number four on my list. Becca, this one's for you. Jack Skellington, The Pumpkin King, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, I'm not surprised you went with something from that. So we watched this movie quite a bit growing up, my sisters and I. Really just a, a, a fun Tim Burton movie. Uh, you know, it's a, it's really just a story about a man going through a midlife crisis. He's been doing the same thing over and over. And he kind of wants to do something new. And he gets intrigued by the prospect of celebrating a different holiday. Uh, the music in this movie is great. Um, it's completely absurd. Uh, but uh, definitely a, a movie that stuck with me. So that's why I picked him. Well, yeah, and I mean, as a Blink-182 fan, you get, you get the callback in, in the Blink-182 song, so you got to go with something from, uh, you know, Jack and Sally, right? Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, I don't remember the night of my bachelor party, the third time you had the 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 pianist at the piano bar play play my favorite Blink-182 song, but uh, I, I'm sure it was a great night. Uh, I, I remember bits and pieces of it, and I'm pretty sure that happened. <laughs> Okay, number three for you. Uh, number three on my list, Kevin McAllister. Home Alone. Perfectly Classic aligns Christmas. with my number. That is my number three as well. Is it really? Yes. 
<laughs> How about it? Yeah, I mean, it's a, what, that's a great Christmas movie, man. Again, you want to talk about people that uh, should not be parents and that are making just terrible parenting decisions. Here you go. <laughs> Next one on the list. Um, I mean, Kevin's parents are just absolute trash, but yeah, was, I mean, what, what an adventure he goes on. There was no neighbor that she could have called to like check up on him. You know, she had to fly straight back from Paris. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, think about it, though. I mean, you leave your kid home alone. You're going to call the neighbor and be like, hey, I left my kid. Can you check <laughs> on him? I mean, that might not be a move I'm going to make either. Like, I'm going to try and probably keep that one a little quiet. That's not true. I would absolutely admit my mistake and make sure my kid was safe. I would not <laughs> try and keep it slick. That's a terrible idea. And I feel terrible I said that. But. I can also understand where she's coming from. I mean, you just, you really crap the bed there as a parent. So the pride, it's probably a little hard to call and say, Hey, I think I forgot one of my, like, I mean, it's not even like she has a ton of kids and like three or four of them. Like, yeah, got on the airplane, the youngest one said he's not here. That, that, that's a tough look to be able to just call somebody up and say, yeah, I dropped the ball that hard. Oh, I, I love quoting the, the gangster in the movie that he watches. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'll give you give you to the count of ten. One, two, ten. <laughs> oh, Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. Just just wonderful. What a great movie. Yeah, it's that's and I mean if you're one of those nuts out there that thinks that that's not a Christmas movie, just go ahead and log off. I mean, that that one's indisputable, so I don't really have a whole lot of, I don't know there's a whole lot of controversy there. What about your number two? Yeah, so number two on my list is Linus Van Pelt. I get it, man. Charlie Brown Christmas, it's like a half hour. I don't know if you want to call that a movie. I don't care. I'm taking Linus. He explains the true meaning of Christmas better than anybody. He gives the encouragement of, yeah, it's not such a bad little tree after all. Linus gets Christmas better than just about anybody. So Linus Van Pelt is number two on my list. Okay, so I'm about to be canceled. But I did not get the appeal of Charlie Brown in any of his forums whatsoever. Oh, I love him. I mean, I realized that back in the day, people didn't have a lot of options Ooh. for TV. But <laughs> sometimes I just feel like all all the kids are just doing the wah 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 on the show. I just it, it's just not for me. Yeah, that's, that's a tough look for you. <laughs> I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna fight it. I'm, I'm gonna own it, Charlie Brown. I'm sorry, you're not you're not appearing on my list. None no, none of you are appearing on my list. Yeah, I mean, you're talking to a guy who had a Charlie Brown themed baby shower, so I think we're a little bit different in our thoughts on Charlie Brown. But <laughs> I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna own this one. It's okay. Sometimes you can't win them all, uh, and and that's one of my bad takes of of the year. But uh. Number two, I will I will go with a classic. The animated Grinch from the original Grinch Stole Christmas is Yeah, that that's my number one. Yeah, yes. That is <laughs> that is the that is the go-to for me. If you're gonna say, okay, what is the Christmas movie that you're gonna watch every year with the kids? Does don't need the kids. The music, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch, is just phenomenal. Uh, you know, the pacing is great, you're in, you're out, boom. Uh, it is the go-to Christmas movie for me. Yeah, I'm a hundred percent. That's my number one. I I don't think it doesn't even have to be the animated Grinch for me though, because I think the Jim Carrey Grinch from the live action was actually fantastic too. 
So I'm not even picky about my Grinch, but yeah, 100% with you. The Grinch is amazing. Yeah, my son has uh, has watched all the different versions, and they all kind of run together. Um, but there is a big Grinch blow up in our front yard, and uh, and yeah, just uh, somebody that I feel like is, you know, we're uh, kindred spirits, and uh, I think he's he's great. So number two on my list. All right, Andy. I'm coming in hot for this last one. The number one Christmas movie character. No question. Bruce Willis as John McClane in Die Hard. Yep, I would have put a hundred bucks on that. I did not <laughs> see your list ahead of the time. I may have said it to Crystal before I came down here to record. I'd have been shocked if that wasn't number one on your list. I mean, this movie is in the pantheon of, you know, cult of pop culture that america has produced uh i there the one summer we were in college uh when the the diehard movie came out whichever one it was at this point i think bruce willis gets more badass the older he gets and the balder he gets um i wanted to see that movie like it was summer and nobody was there i went to see that movie like three times in the theaters uh yippee kaye motherfucker like let's go uh this movie is definitively a christmas movie takes place on Christmas Eve at a holiday work party. The soundtrack has a lot of Christmas music. There's a person who wears a Santa hat and his sweatshirt says, now I have a machine gun, ho, ho, ho. Now granted, you know, that's, it's on a dead body of a terrorist who got thrown down an elevator shaft, but I mean, let's not quibble here. It's a Christmas movie. It's a great movie. It's one of the greatest action movies of all time. John McClane, you are my winner. Best Christmas character movie. Yeah, 100% that it's a Christmas movie. No debating here. Does John McClane remind you of your dad a little bit? Because I feel like your dad <laughs> is like John McClane, Bruce Willis, especially like the time I went through the wall in the basement. Like, <laughs> I thought I was going to get like Die Hard kicked out a window that day. <laughs> so I, I get a little bit of your dad vibes from, from oh, not, not, not in a bad way at all. You're, I think your dad's kind of a badass. So uh, I'm sure. He I don't know if you identify that, but. Yes, uh, I'm sure he would love to hear you say that. Um, I would say uh, the like bad jokes and thinking you're funnier than you are. I think they definitely, you know, are similar in that regards. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, Bruce Willis is not like your he's not your Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's not your uh, Sylvester Stallone. He's not just the, you know, the crazy, bulky, you know, this guy is definitely an action hero type guy. But he's just your average guy who's just going to do what he needs to do to to save the day so uh yeah i i love die hard i love the die hard movies and uh and i'm, I'm glad to hear that you agree that this is a christmas movie i mean i'm glad we didn't have to fight about that yeah no 100 a christmas movie <sighs> all right well we again we are just a couple days out from christmas so i hope everyone's getting their movies in um andy i'm very surprised no will ferrell from the movie elf yeah, as much I am a, a a big Will Ferrell fan, Elf just doesn't do it for me. It's like it's all right. Like I could, I'm not gonna say no. If I put it on right now, I'd probably fall asleep. Like it's all right. Yeah, I mean, I have long been a, a proponent of Will Ferrell is better in his supporting roles than in his main roles. Yes, and again, it, you know, this is a different movie. This is not you know your R-rated comedy or whatever. So. I'm not sure that I can, you know, fully make that, uh, you know, comparison in that regard. But uh, 
yeah, I mean, Wolf Arrow and Running Crashers, 10 out of 10, like, insane. Uh, but Wolf Arrow and Elf, like, okay, dude, like, we get it. Like, all right, can we wrap this up? Like, I'm, I'm done, so. And especially if he doesn't have John C. Riley, I mean, for him to be doing something on his own without John C. Riley, it's a tough look for him. Yeah, and you're not wrong. Definitely not wrong. Okay, so this is bringing us pretty close to the end. Andy, is there anything else you want to touch on before we start wrapping up? No, I think I got my uh, my college football rant off <laughs> off my chest, and I think we did a solid holiday movie list there. So, no, nope, I'm good to go if you are. Okay, so we have one more topic. Uh, that we're going to cover. Uh, I, in a previous episode, uh, Andy mentioned that he had watched Queen's Gambit. I finished the show last night. Very sorry. I want to apologize to my wife. I uh, left her in the dust. She went to bed early and I just had to finish. So we are going to uh, kind of review and talk about the show. We are going to spoil the show. So if you have any interest at all in watching it and you haven't finished it yet, we're not talking about anything else. Go ahead and turn this off. We'll see you next time. Yeah, stay um, safe, guys. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and move into a recap in just a second. Okay, Andy. So, Queen's Gambit. Just phenomenal. Uh, finished the last two, two episodes last night. And uh, one of my you know favorite things that I consumed in 2020. Yeah, I thought that was a great show. And, I mean, you know, I, I, I can move the pieces around on a chessboard, but I'm I'm far from decent at playing the game. So it's, it's not even that, you know, it was a subject matter that was particularly insanely appealing to me, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was one of those that, you know, it's 1230 and the episode ends and I was like, Oh, do I think I could fit one more in? Like, I mean, no, I know I shouldn't, but I was absolutely hooked. So I was a little skeptical when we first talked about it, because I was in, in, in the first couple episodes, I was like, okay, like, do people who, you know, don't know how to play chess, don't care about chess, are they actually going to like this show? Um, I didn't have anything to worry about. Again, I, you know, I played chess for a long time and uh, and have always enjoyed the game. Um, it's one of those purest distillations of competition. It's you and one other person. There's literally no randomness at all besides whether you, you know, are playing white or playing black almost to the point where, you know, if you follow chess closely, like people think you should actually introduce some randomness that it's, it's getting pretty close to being solved. Um, so, so I love that part of it, but I was a little dubious and really as the show went along, uh, it really became this great, uh, you know, dissertation on obsession and addiction and like where the line is and, uh, you know, what a person has to give to be, you know, at the very top of their craft. Uh, and really, I just just absolutely love the show. Yeah, I, I think you can be somebody with I mean, I, I think you can be somebody with just an interest in human beings in general. But certainly the addiction side of it, I thought was fascinating to, to see her kind of go down that rabbit hole and, and to start at such an early age. But I think that is how it how it, how it goes for a lot of people and you know everything that she was trying to numb the pain that she was trying to numb and how she started out with being addicted to the the green pills that I can't think of what they were supposed to be off the top of my head but you know the, the pills that she was addicted to and, and then I mean for chess to just become that next level of the addiction that you know you have to be the drugs it was just she was always kind of running from that pain and and using the game to hide it and, and having to be the best because 
you know, the, the rough childhood that she had where she wasn't getting that validation she needed was, I just thought it was a fascinating human interest story. Yeah. So I'm not going to lie. Like the drug use did make me a little uncomfortable, like not in a, and necessarily in a crazy off-putting way. Um, apparently that was, it was tranquilizers were the, were the medicines that she was, uh, the medicine she was being given uh, when she was an orphan uh, at the orphanage. Apparently that was up to a certain point, a standard practice in, in the U S which is a scary, scary thought. Um, especially, you know, giving the kids. So the, the, you know, child drug use and teenage drug use and, and whatnot, you know, it's definitely, a, is, is a pretty heavy topic. Um, and then, you know, you move on to alcohol, which, you know, is a more common depiction of it. Um, but just, you know, how the show kind of dealt with, you know, the ambiguity of how much of her, ability was from the drugs and aided by the drugs and how much was just her own you know natural genius and talent at the game i just thought was such a an interesting question and i really feel like this is going to be a series that lends itself to you know multiple viewings to see like what you get the second time around and and how that changes your perspective the out like again i'm not a fashion person or a, you know somebody who appreciates a lot of the little details but just the like production design you know i'm a sucker for a period piece and and just even just the outfits of like how she really like a lot of her outfits looked like chess pieces i mean no more so than at the very end when she's wandering around in in the ussr and she's got the the white hat and the white coat on and she looks you know blatantly obvious like like a a white queen on a chessboard really just i mean this is a sports movie i mean and that's the thing i think that made me realize why it could be you know appealing to multiple people i mean this is uh you know follows all the beats of you know you have the early loss and you you build and you get better and you lead up to the championship game and you know you end up winning man i just love this show yeah, I think that that just became one more obsession and a life full of of obsessions for her. It was she, she had to beat had to beat that guy. Yeah, so um I think the like if I was going to like offer up some like flaws of the show, I I really feel like most of the guys in this were kind of you know nameless and and not really well developed and which is totally fine. I mean, this is a this is a woman-centric show. I mean, Anya Taylor-Joy as as Beth was just, you know, un, just an unbelievable performance, just a Pantheon performance. But even just like, you know, her adopted mom character, uh, the the model that she ends up uh, coming entangled with uh, later in the show, uh, her best friend uh, from the orphanage who comes back in the last episode and kind of, you know, picks her up and helps her deal with some of her past issues. Um, the female characters in this show were just exceptionally well acted, exceptionally well developed, um, and really kind of carried the show versus, you know, a lot of the times with the guys, unless it was Benny or Borgoff, I was kind of just like, which one of them was this? What part of, you know, what part of her past are they from? But, um, yeah, I thought they did a nice job with, with, yeah, it, it, I, it's been weeks since I watched it now. So, um, the guy that taught her how to play the janitor, you know, yep. the, the custodian mm-hmm. guy that I thought he was a pretty well-developed character. You For can sure. See kind of, I, but yeah, I, I agree. After that, a lot of the guys just became, I mean, at one point, I think I was even confused that I was like, Oh, I thought that guy was that guy. Right. But for sure. Yeah. I mean, like you said, I think, I think it was definitely a, a female driven show and I think it's okay that, that the guys became a little bit generic. 
Yeah, but really just like the, and again, I, you know, this particularly appeals to me. Like I thought the the announcing at the end of, you know, in episode six, episode seven, where you have commentators calling games of chess and just kind of, you know, really, I think just so artfully detailing like what goes on in the game and what considerations you have. Um, I love the the game with Luchenko, the the very old previous world champion, and just kind of, you know, the passing of the buck from from him to her and whatnot. Um, and and uh, you know, definitely the show was rosy, optimistic. You know, this this gave me you know Rocky Four ending the Cold War type vibes. Um, and, and some of that's drawn some criticism. Some of the depiction of addiction and. You know, people don't just snap out of their addiction so easily and, you know, making light of that or whatever. Like, you know, all those things might be, you know, well-founded criticisms, but really I just want to, you know, I want a show to, to make me feel good. And, uh, and just, you know, I was fine that you led up to the very obvious end. She wins happy ending. I was all for it. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a story where, especially when somebody goes through a little bit of adversity, you know, kind of goes through those trials and ends up winning at the end there's something there's nothing wrong with the the hero winning at the end of the story so i i thought it was a great story yeah i mean for 2020 i feel like you very easily could have had a show where this like she loses the final match and she ends up like you know drunkenly like driving off a bridge or whatever and you get some like parallels to her mom or whatever that that just would have been an awful way to end the show like uh you know i just i just love the you know that all the all the people from her past kind of came together to give her the same kind of team that the Soviets had and that they were able to, you know, walk her through to, to the end. But ultimately it was her own stroke of genius that uh, got her to beat Borgoff. So I, I love this movie. Uh, it's uh, done wonders for the game of chess. You know, if you look at some of the stats for how much it's being Googled and, and, you know, books being bought and boards being purchased and all that. So, Oh, I bet. Um, um, definitely, you know, anytime some some little niche interest of mine gets put into the major spotlight, uh, you know, I'm I'm definitely going to be a sucker for it. But uh, you know, again, you don't need the low chest. Uh, this is just a very personal story for the the actress who who plays uh, Beth Harmon, and I, I really think the acting is unparalleled this year. Um, and I highly highly recommend it to anyone who has not yet watched it on netflix 100 percent support that as well and then i just need to get you on on watching the mandalorian so that'll be nice good luck with that one <laughs> all right dude well uh you take it easy you have a wonderful uh christmas and i think uh I, i'm thinking next episode is going to be kind of our year in review uh what what we liked out of 2020 what was awful about 2020 and hopefully we'll uh, look forward to much better things from 2021 yeah i'll, I'll start prepping that uh, what's been bad about 2020 list so <laughs> I, I know it's been a pretty good year around the globe so i'll i'll get to work on that tonight yeah all right this has been another episode of buckeye dads discuss and we'll talk to you guys later stay safe ohio buckeye dads discuss is a podcast hosted by andy and josh it's edited by April. You can find us on social media at Buckeye Dads on Twitter. And you can email the show at Buckeye Dads Discuss at gmail.com.